May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I can remember the first week I was at Georgia Tech, the fall of 1980. I was sitting out on the steps looking over the landscape, different than it is now, as the Coca-Cola building and Bell South and the Peachtree Plaza loomed over me. And I wondered, why did I leave my family and friends in a small town in North Florida to come to the giant city that was so alienating? Little did I know there was a congregation a little while a little ways away where one of my friends came, but I did not know there were any gracious people within the giant city. And yet it was just 16 years later that I, with a group from my church, went to the airport, to Hartsville, to welcome a refugee family that our church was sponsoring. We showed up and waited with sign in hand, uh, written in Bosnian, as the family dragged up the stairs, uh, forlorn after a 28-hour plane ride coming from a refugee camp in Turkey. There was a father and mother and three children, ages 14, uh, 9, and 6. Only the 14-year-old boy could speak a word of English, and he was sort of our translator, parents had no idea, totally dependent upon our team. As we loaded them into cars and headed up to Roswell, we put them in an apartment we had secured, and we had put food in the cupboards in the refrigerator. And as we shut the door that night, I looked at their faces, and I could not fathom what they might be feeling as the door shut upon them, isolated, alienated in a strange foreign land totally vulnerable and dependent solely upon our team. See, I was a mission pastor, a Presbyterian mission pastor for most of my career, and worked closely with refugee resettlement ministry. I retired uh, two and a half years ago, and my wife, Jeannie, said, now we can go back to the Episcopal Church where they have real liturgy. (laughs) I said, that's fine with me. I I love the Midtown area, and it's been a wonderful place. And I've been able to participate some in the refugee ministries, love what uh, Louisa Merchant is doing. And she is helping so many refugee families through the help of uh, even just some hours from members of our church. She recommended that I preach this year after she preached an incredible sermon last year. And so Andy... Uh, said, Richard, uh, here are the scripture passages for the morning. Using the lectionary, the passages are chosen for you. So I wondered as I read the passages that have just been read this morning, okay, how do you take passages given to you for a particular topic of refugee ministry? Uh, I don't think Andy looked very carefully to see the challenge he was giving me. You'll notice it ended with a line from about Sodom and Gomorrah. You'll notice this is Pride Month as well as Refugee Sunday. Thank you, Andy. But I know it was the spirit that did this, right? It's always a challenge. But 
As I have been pondering the Scripture and reading and studying the, the Scriptures that are given for today, I'm reminded that when I've preached this lectionary text in the past, I always focused on what seemed to be the climax of the Old Testament passage as Sarah laughed, and you laughed at the absurdity of it. And then we culminate with nothing is impossible for God. But as I read this passage, it, it did not connect with refugees. And I wondered, uh, how, how could we make this fit? So maybe mistakenly, I decided to read past where our lection stops to the next passages. You know, it, it, it seems obvious, and this is the passage, it's about hospitality. That when these three strangers show up outside their tent, Abraham rushed to welcome them in. Strangers, and he welcomed them into his home. He asked Sarah to start making preparations, and they killed a calf for strangers. They made haste. They went above and beyond what, what was expected of them. The hospitality was offered not to find favor from these strangers, as some scholars might indicate. It was found because it is the nature and the character of Abraham and Sarah who have been forged in their faith, waiting all their life for the promises of God to come true, clinging to hope that God will come through, and God's hospitality is working its way through Abraham and Sarah. The passage is about the value that God places on extreme hospitality to strangers in our midst. Well, that's a pretty obvious connection with refugee ministry. As the book of Hebrews says, do not neglect to show hospitality for strangers, lest you might uh, be entertaining angels without knowing it, or angels unawares. So all saints... Uh, very simply, you have the opportunity to entertain strangers through refugee ministry. That's a little too simplistic uh, for the readings this morning, a little too trite maybe, for there's a much deeper essence here. Some stories we must struggle with this morning to get the full picture from God. So let's follow the story of Abraham and Sarah, and I'll reveal to you if you haven't read ahead to yourself, as those three uh, stranger angels, at least the readers know that they are angels, as they head away from the camp, they look to each other and say, should we tell Abraham what we're about to do? The other says, well, I guess we should go ahead because God is going to make him a great nation in this land. He should know what God expects. So they divulge to Abraham they're headed to Sodom and Gomorrah. It's all one story, actually. Abraham pardoned, um, pleads with them, bargains with them. If, if there are 50 good people, will you spare the city? Well, okay, if we find 50. If there are 45, okay. With 30, okay. If there are 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah who are good, will you spare the city? For the sake of 10, we will spare the city. And we all know the outcome. Even though we may not read this passage, we know what it is talking about. There were not ten good people in Sodom and Gomorrah. There was only Lot and his wife and two daughters who were found worthy. And the angels uh, destroyed the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Of course, that's the part of the story the lectionary wants to, uh, to skip over, especially at this time of year in Pride Month. And Andy referred, alluded to seven deadly passages that have been weaponized against the LGBT community in the scriptures. Really only seven. This is the one with probably the greatest ammunition people take. So, so maybe it's rightly so that we uh, clarify this passage of Sodom and Gomorrah along with what uh, God might be telling us through the rest of the scriptures. The evil of Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing to do with sexual identity, nothing to do with sexuality. The evil of Sodom and Gomorrah was juxtaposing the gracious hospitality of Sarah and Abraham with the evil of the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, who, instead of welcoming a stranger, they they sought to violate the strangers in the most uh, horrible of fashions. Lot took them in, kept them safe through a miracle of the Lord. Sodom and Gomorrah is depicting the inhospitality of those who refuse to follow God. Thus, it's worth us all knowing when somebody mentions it to, to clarify that. And what I want you to notice is the entire story is about hospitality to strangers and aliens and refugees in our midst. It demonstrates the primary character of one who is a God follower. Furthermore, in the New Testament passages, Jesus sends the twelve out on their internship to go and proclaim the gospel of uh, good news. They are to seek out the Jewish towns and the homes who welcome them. If they do not welcome them, the ground is not fertile for them to receive the good news and leave and shake off the dust from your sandals. Hospitality is not optional for a God follower or for a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I can't deal with all the theological questions and uh, angst that this passage brings up, uh, talking of God's judgment, other than to say If you look to our New Testament uh, letters this morning, uh, the epistle lesson says, for the sake of one, God did not destroy not only Jerusalem, but the whole world. While we were yet sinners, God died for the unrighteous. In the New Testament with Jesus Christ, we receive a a fuller, a greater revelation than any of the writers ever knew that God's hospitality, God's graciousness is beyond what we could ever imagine or fathom. For the sake of one, and the one is not any of us, God shows mercy. I began to really understand this lesson the day after we brought the, I'll call them the Shamir family from Bosnia. It was the next morning that uh, a team from our church uh, took the wife and children to the doctors for vaccinations and off to register for school. And I got the privilege of going and sitting with the father. I'll call him uh, Shirah. We sat down together and looked at each other. He did not speak a word of English. 
I did not speak a word of Bosnian nor Russian nor any of other, the other Slavic languages that he spoke. And we sat there and he pulled out an English Bosnian dictionary. And we were able to look up each word and form a communication that worked. But what taught me the lesson was when Shara stood up and he had told me their story of how they had escaped. Actually, he was, uh, in, uh, he was working in Russia, detained at the border, and the, the troops had swarmed into their town, and his wife had to flee with all she could carry. A one-year-old on the hip, a few clothes, a nine-year-old son who helped his five-year-old daughter traverse the mountains as they fled for their lives and lost everything. Everything except... Shirah held up an antique brass coffee grinder. We did escape with this. And with pride in his face, he went to the kitchen and he was grinding fresh coffee and making a, a Turkish coffee for me. Brought it out in a little espresso cup uh, that looked more like the consistent of a little child's uh, soupy mud pie. The lesson I learned was on his face was this eagerness, this pride of being able to host me in his new home and offer me what he considered most precious that they had brought from Bosnia with them to this new home symbolized in that brass coffee grinder. It was the most gracious cup of coffee I have ever received. Many cultures such as the Shamir's Muslim faith, as well as with all the Abrahamic faith, know the value of hospitality to strangers in the eyes of God. The Shamir family could only uh, escape with one prized possession, and they chose a family heirloom an antique coffee grinder. My friends, we still have much to learn about life and faith. And I guarantee you, by getting involved in refugee ministries, your eyes will be opened. You will be entertaining angels. Every single one of these families have fled for their lives. They've left everything and lost family behind. Uh, They have come to a strange new foreign world with no friends and no support. And they're hoping to find that there might be people in a church like this who remember what it was like to be new in a giant city, to be isolated and anxious. They hope some here will know the value of a coffee grinder or a ride or a few hours to help a stranger in need. Scripture says, what does the Lord require of you? but to practice justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And maybe it can start with a fresh cup of coffee offered to a stranger here in our midst.